Amen and amen, our text for today. What in the world is going on here? Oh, by the way, my name's Tom Walters, okay? And uh, they tell me I'm the senior pastor here, okay? And so it's good to be back in the saddle, back in the pulpit again. But uh, just our, our speakers with Pastor Sheena, Pastor Nathan, Pastor Rob, didn't they do a phenomenal job? Just bring us the truth of God's word. Absolutely, absolutely wonderful. First Kings chapter 17, verses 8 through 16. Then the Lord said to Elijah, not Shah, Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. Think about that. That's an easy passage just to overlook. But God had already instructed a widow there to feed Elijah. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? And as she was going to get it, he called out to her and said, bring me a bite of bread also. Now, don't forget there's a famine going on. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal. And then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. That is huge. If you're expecting a miracle, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will always be flour, olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her son continued to eat for many, many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. God did miracles then. I tell you, church, God is doing miracles today also. And I pray you believe that with all your heart. And don't allow the enemy to infiltrate your faith with doubt. Hold fast to what he has promised you, what he has declared, what he has given you within your spirit. And don't be moved from it. It may take days. It may take weeks. It may take even months. But I tell you, once you set it into motion by faith and with the words that you speak, God is in the process of bringing it to pass. Sometimes it takes just very little time. Other times it seems to go on and on. But I promise you, and I declare it from the processes of my own life, that once you set it into motion, God is doing something wonderful and glorious. There's three principles that I have gleaned from this passage of Scripture that I've read to you this morning. First of all, the need to hear God. The need to hear God. Secondly, the need to obey God. 
And thirdly, the principle of birthing a miracle. Birthing a miracle. Elijah gave a prophecy over to wicked King Ahab and Jezebel. The nation of Israel was in ruin because of the evil and the wickedness of Ahab and Jezebel. So God sent a prophet to declare the word of the Lord to Ahab and over his kingdom. And Elijah said, there will be no dew, no rain until I speak the word. And I circled that word in my Bible, I, until I speak the word. And I thought that's very bold. But I tell you, church, when you get a word from God and you know it's a word from God, you can be bold. Stand on it, proclaim it, declare it, and don't be moved from it. The enemy will endeavor to hurl hell at you to get you to move from the promise that he has given you. But don't be moved. Stand steadfast. You know what the word says. You're not being moved from what the word says. For the word will come to fruition through the power of the spirit of, of God. Hear God. Obey God. Birth your miracle. Now these seem to be just very obvious principles. Especially hearing God and obeying God. But I tell you this. There's not a one of us in here that hasn't failed to obey God, even though you heard his voice and you find yourself in that place. Yes, I know what's right to do. I know what I should do, but I just don't do it. Now understand that the famine that Elijah had predicted out over the kingdom of Ahab was going to affect Elijah also. And so how important was it that Elijah would hear the voice of Almighty God. It seems to be that Elijah had no worries or no concerns about the coming famine. Why? Because his relationship, his life was rooted in the Lordship of Almighty God. He would not allow worry to overtake him, fear to overtake him, because he knew that God would direct his steps. He had seen the hand of God in miraculous ways. And he knew that God would never, never, never fail him. Metaphorically speaking, there are famines today. There are famines in our lives. Some of you may be perhaps watching online. You're going through a dry time. You're going through a valley. You're going through a famine yourself where it seems like God is so distant from you. I've gone through those valleys. I've had those times of famine myself. Where is God? But we need to understand that when it seems like God is distant, God is not the one that moved. God is not the one that moved. So you will face famines in life. Jesus said problems, difficulties will come. But that does not mean they need to overcome you. Even as David said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because God is with me. He is with me. We need to hear God. We need to hear God. And in trying to hear God, you may miss it from time here to time there. 
But a scripture that I have relied on and met for many years in my life is found in Psalm 37, that the steps of a good man, and if your heart is right, if your purpose is right, then I believe that even though you may miss God here or you may miss God there, he will not allow you to fall. That's what his word says. Even though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholds him with his hand. When my wife and I were making a decision for me to go off to Bible school and I had to go in and convey to the people that had employed me that I was leaving and that I was going to Bible school, and there was yet that element of doubt that was there. What if? What if this is not God? What if I'm not hearing God? What if this is just something of an ambition on my own part? And so I asked them, I said, if this doesn't work out, can I come back? And they graciously said, you can, but not in the same position you were in. But this is incredible because the one of the... Um, managers of the company that I was meeting with, he said to me, he said, Tom, you won't be back. He had more confidence in what I was conveying out of my heart in a sense than I did. And he gave me that assurance of the truth of the word of God, the affirmation of the word of God, you won't be back. What you're hearing, in essence, what he's saying, what you're hearing is God. God is leading you. God is instructing you. And then that's when, that's when this verse in Psalm 37 opened up to me. That Lord, I desire my heart to be so right before you. I desire my purpose to be right before you. Ah, the steps of a good man, of a good woman. Ordered by the Lord. Ordered by the Lord. And even though, even though you may miss it here, may miss it there, you will not be forsaken for the Lord upholds you. He'll get you back on the right path once again. Today, it seems like we're going through dry times, difficulties. Our country seems to be in confusion, turmoil. Boys don't know if they're girls. Girls don't know if they're boys. Confusion reigns over the country in many ways. But what I sense in my spirit and what I see happening is that the people of the living God are rising up with a greater confidence and a greater assurance more than perhaps what they've ever had before. They're more willing to share their faith, share the gospel, share the answer to the confusion. But the country seems to be in turmoil, dry times. And we as Christians, we must, we must hear God. It's important, imperative that we always hear God, but especially in difficult times, hear God. Second Timothy chapter three, verse one of the Passion Translation. Paul writes this, you need to be aware, Timothy, that in the final days, the culture of society will become extremely fierce and difficult for the people of God. And is it not so true? Because we will not accept the ways of the world, because we will not accept the lies that they're endeavoring to force upon us, then we are called haters. We are indignant. 
We are ones who literally forsake compassion for others. But Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, he said this, you're blessed when people hate you, when people reject you, when they revile you for my sake. We must keep in mind the keeping hand of Almighty God, regardless of what persecution comes in upon us. And Paul said in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, he says this, all who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will, not may, will suffer persecution. But understand that the hand of God is always there to keep you, Christian, to sustain you, through the thick and through the thin. Walk with you. Prevail against your enemies. A very familiar portion of scripture found in Psalm 91 verses 1 through 3. He who dwells, not visits. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. You see, there's a condition to the promises of God. A lot of us want to visit the secret place. And what is the secret place? I've heard many different teachings on what the secret place is. And I've come to this conclusion. The secret place is simply the rest of Almighty God. The rest. What's the rest of God? Peace no matter what. Confidence in our living God no matter what. Our hearts fixed on the Lordship of Jesus no matter what. And that brings a peace that passes all understanding. And you can abide there in that secret place of the Most High. They shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And what you need to know and what I'm sure you've seen is that wherever there's a shadow, if you follow that shadow, no matter how long it is, it will lead you to the source of the shadow. The source of the shadow is nearby when you see the shadow. He who dwells, dwells, dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver me, shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence, troublesome times, times of famine. Psalm 34, verses 19 and 20. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Annoyances is what this means in the Hebrew. Adversities, grief, attacks of the wicked. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Ah, but the promise, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Out of them all. Out of them all. You may be walking through a difficulty. The weight of the world may seem to be upon you, but the promise of God tells me, tells you, he will deliver you. Hang on. Hold on to the promises he has given you. And don't be moved from it. He will deliver you. The Lord delivers him out of them all. 
He guards all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Whether you've realized it or not, there's, in most cases, conditions placed on the promises of Almighty God. Conditions. For example, they who dwell in the secret place of the Most High, they are the ones that will live under the shadow of the Almighty. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and then you will be saved. You have an obligation first. I have an obligation first. That if I'm willing to put forth my faith, if I'm willing to put forth my trust, if I'm willing to take hold of the hand of God, then he will lead me. Without his hand, it's, chances are I'm going to stray off onto a wrong path and perhaps receive lies that the enemy will speak into my mind. Jesus said, you must be born again if you're going to see the kingdom of God. You have to take the first step and God will bring forth his promises. God, by the spirit of the, of the Lord, spoke to Joshua, said, step into the Jordan River and it'll part for you and go and take the city of Jericho. Joshua had to step into the waters first. He could have stood there all day, looked at them, I believe God, confessing, 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 and that's all good. But until he moved, heard God, and then walked in obedience and stepped into the waters, that's when the waters parted. There was something that he had to do first. The woman with the issue of blood, something that she had to do first. She determined to press through the crowd Touched the hem of his garment. And when she did, healing was manifest. What is God speaking to you? Are you listening? Are you hearing his voice? Jesus said, my sheep, hear my voice. Many voices are speaking to us today, church. But we must not get confused. We must be willing to allow the voice of Almighty God to speak the loudest into our lives. Jesus said oftentimes, as your faith is, so be it unto you. A condition, a condition to the promises of God. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, above all, take the shield of faith. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 16. Never, never overlook words like above all. The most important thing here of all the armor Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the enemy, the wicked one. I thought about that, that oftentimes fiery darts come in the way of words. And then I thought of James chapter 3, where James tells us that the tongue is a fire. The tongue is set on fire by hell itself and for some of us here today some of you here today the enemy has used loved ones friends people that may be close to you other Christians even whether they realize it or not they were speaking spewing fiery darts into your life by the words that they spoke 
And those words were set on fire of hell itself. But the scripture tells us that if you will take the shield of faith, you will quench every one of those fiery darts. I looked up that, those words, shield of faith, and it gave me the impression, it says, it was like a door. And so that tells me that it was a huge shield. There was no place for the enemy to gain entrance. And when the soldier would stand behind that shield, it would literally cover him from head to toe. And no matter how many fiery arrows came at him, not one of them could touch him. Not one. Above all, taking the shield of faith by which you shall quench all, 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 all the fiery darts, no matter what word is spoken of you. I spoke to a precious sister who's living now down in Florida. She had called and it was given me her testimony how she had been healed and of a form of cancer. And she wanted to let me know, she said, because of the teaching, the instruction, and the challenges that came forth here at Word of Life, she was able to stand her ground in the day where they gave her that prognosis. And the doctor said to her, this was so wonderful, the doctor said to her, you have cancer, pancreatic cancer, I think it was. And she looked at him, she said, no, I don't. He says, oh, yes, you do. She said, no, I don't. I don't have pancreatic cancer. And even though the reports said, the natural said that she had pancreatic cancer, she would not accept that into her life. Why? What did she do? She put up the shield of faith that she quenched all the fiery darts. Now the doctor was just doing his job. He was just simply reporting what he saw. But she was not accepting that into her life. And she said, Pastor, I just want to tell you today, I have no pancreatic cancer. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm healthy, 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 living the dream down in Florida, I guess. I guess. Point number one, we need to hear God especially in difficult times, church. I ask you, what if Noah hadn't heard God? What if Joseph hadn't heard God in the day of coming famine? What if Abraham had not heard God when he had the knife raised and was ready to plunge it into the heart of his son? And how many issues could we have avoided? How many problems could we have avoided if we had only heard God? I have scars in my life, scars on my body that it could have been avoided had I only heard God at that time. But my ear was not tuned in to hear the voice of God. So very, very important. I came across a paper. Actually, I was cleaning out some papers that were in a file. And I happened to come across this paper. I said, this is perfect. It's from the Ladies Bible Study of 2023. The five P's of hearing God. 
through the Bible. Number one, position yourself to hear from God. Have an expectation that you can hear his voice. Psalm 119, open up my eyes so that I can behold wonderful things in your word. Physically position yourself. Get away from everything else, distractions, to-do lists, and listen for the voice of God. He's always speaking. I love what Andrew Womack says. He said, the voice of God is always being conveyed, just like a radio signal. But until you turn in, tune in to the right frequency, ah, there he is. There he is. That is the voice of my Lord. And all these other voices now are drowned out because I've tuned in to the right frequency. Number two, pour over the passage and paraphrase the major principles of that passage. It's not about the quantity of scriptures you read, so true, but the quality for the sake of your relationship with the Father. Meditate on the scriptures. Write them down, ponder them, think about them. What does it say? What does it mean? How is it speaking to me? Pour over the passage. Number three, pull out spiritual principles. Number one, position. Number two, pour. Number three, pull out the spiritual principles. In other words, is there a command to follow, a promise to heed, a directive that is given, an aspect of God's character that is being revealed? that perhaps you had not seen before. Put aside your agenda. What does this passage tell me about God? The more you know God, the more clearly you can hear him. Number four, pose. Pose the question to yourself personally. Am I and my behavior lining up with what the word says? Crucial so important. Violators of the word of God, whether through their words, through their actions, even through their thoughts, if they will meditate on evil thoughts, they are opening the door to the enemy. The scripture tells us that we are to bring our behavior, our thoughts, the intents of our heart, lining up with the truth of the word of God. Pose the question to yourself personally. Am I a doer of the word? And number five, plan. Plan obedience. He speaks in order for us to obey. He shines a light in an area of our lives to help navigate life. Make the proper adjustments. Enlist accountability. There is freedom and victory on the other side of obedience. The five P's of hearing God. Imperative, crucial, important. Hear God, especially in perilous times, difficult times. We need to hear his voice so clearly. Number two, once you hear the voice of God, then obey the voice of God. It seems so obvious. 
almost ridiculous to even mention. But if we would take a survey across this congregation here this morning and ask certain questions, I'm sure we would find that many of us, even though we know the word, and we want to be obedient to the word, but we're not obedient to the word. God told Israel over in the book of Numbers, go in and possess the land, Numbers 13 and 14. Go in and possess the land. I'll be with you. I'll conquer your enemy for you. But there's something that you need to do. Go in and possess the land. Send out the spies. Come back. Ten spies. Can't do it. Two spies. We can Unfortunately, the congregation listened to the false report that was contrary to the word of God, and they paid dearly for it. They knew what they should do. They heard the voice of God coming through the prophet Moses. But they allowed their circumstances, what they saw, what they heard, even though they saw all the goodness of the land, they allowed those things that were contrary, the giants in the land. They allowed the giants to be bigger than their God. God told Elijah, go to the brook of Cherith. There the ravens will feed you. Obey the voice of God. First Kings 17, verses 3 and 4, so Elijah did as the Lord told him, and he went to the village of Cherith. Or to the, go to the brook of Cherith. I'm getting ahead of myself. Go to the brook of Cherith. There the ravens will feed you. I listened to a teaching from this uh, year's, uh, just recently, the ladies' Bible study from Priscilla Shire, and she was talking about ravens. And she said, ravens are extremely greedy birds. Not necessarily angry birds. Okay, that didn't go over well. All right. <laughs> greedy birds, very greedy. Literally known to pick food out of the mouth of another animal or another bird and perhaps even humans. Now listen to what 1 Kings 17, 6, and get a grip on this. Ravens are feeding Elijah beside the brook Cherith. 1 Kings 17, 6, the ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and each evening. Now, ravens are scavenger birds. And I tell you, there's nothing like fresh roadkill. I don't know where these ravens got their bread nor got their meat. But God had instructed them. And perhaps as they stole that piece of bread out of the baker, I, I, I can see Ahab's baker. Because Ahab made sure he had enough for himself. He didn't care about the rest of the people. He had enough for himself. And Ahab's chef, Ahab's baker, has fresh bread. And he slices it all down for the king. And all of a sudden, a raven flies through, stands right on top of the piece of bread, and declares, I'm on a mission from God. <laughs> and flies out the window with a piece of bread to feed Elijah. 
I don't know how it happened. I don't know how he got the meat, the raven got the meat. All I know is that Elijah was obedient to the voice of God. He heard it, he obeyed, and God met his need there at the brook Cherith. Ah, uh, but then there's the widow woman at Seraphath. The widow woman at Seraphath. And the thing that I found amazing, that God told Elijah, I have already instructed a widow to feed you there at Zarephath. So this woman, this widow, was obviously expecting this prophet to come. And she was to feed him. But her thoughts had to go. Why me? I have nothing. God, don't you realize there's a famine in the land? We have nothing. But Elijah, as he enters the town, he says he sees the woman gathering sticks and he tells her, get me a cup of water. Bring me a piece of bread. She says, I have no bread. All I have is a little flour and some oil. And I'm gathering sticks so I can bake this for my son and I and then we're going to die. But here's three things that the widow did have. First of all, she did have a hearing ear because God told her that she is to feed the man of God. Secondly, she did have a heart to obey. And even though she didn't realize it, as many of us do not realize, she had seed to invest. She had seed to invest. 1 Kings 17, verse 12. So she said to Elijah, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin, a little oil in a jar. I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, and then we're going to eat it, and then we're going to die. What do you believe, woman? Do you think that for no reason whatsoever that God told you to feed the man of God? You think there's not something wonderful and glorious coming even when she said, why me, Lord? Why me? Because I'm setting you up for a miracle. That's what I'm doing for you, woman. I'm setting you up for a miracle. But you need to hear the voice. You need to obey the voice. Then you can birth, birth that miracle. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 says, God provides seed to the sower. The chapter is speaking about finances. If you get into it and study, God provides seed to the sower. The widow had a handful of flour, a little oil. It was seed. It was seed. What are you going to do, woman? Are you going to sow your seed and let it produce much more? Or are you going to eat your seed and die? God provides seed to the sower and bread to eat. And then bread to eat. Seed to the sower and then, and then bread to eat. He in the same way will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. And look how this applies to the widow. 
First Kings 17, verse 14, there will always, Elijah tells her, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers. Sow the seed, woman. Sow the seed. And the nerve of Elijah to say, and bring me a cake and a cup of water first. Then provide for yourself. And she could have got indignantly offended at that. How dare him cause himself a man of God. Cause himself a prophet. Surely he should be thinking of others over himself. But there was a plan that was being put into motion. There was a purpose that was being put into motion. And God was setting this woman up for a miracle. And there's always those times of, yes, but what if? I know I should, but. I know I should forgive that person, but. I know I should tithe, but. I know I should encourage. I know I should love, but. You see, the problem is you've got your butt in the way. <laughs> you need to get your butt out of the way and let God do what he wants to do, child of God. Let God do what he wants to do. And I love what Elijah said to her in her response. The first thing he said, do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. Oh, I tell you, child of God, how often we allow fear to make our judgments for us. Fear of rejection, fear of retaliation, fear of not enough. And we allow fear to determine the course of our lives. I think of Jairus, and I'll close on this. I have more to share with you, but I'll close here. I think of Jairus who came to Jesus and said, my daughter is dying. In the meantime, the woman with the issue of blood interrupts Jesus from going to Jairus' home. The woman touches the hem of his garment. We know the story. She's healed. Bless God, Jesus turned. And he goes to be on his way. When messengers from the household of Jairus come and they say, Master, trouble the Lord no more. Your daughter is dead. And I believe that the principle here is even before Jairus, because he had the authority over his daughter, he literally could have canceled out his miracle right then and there. If he would have turned to Jesus and said, we don't want to bother you any longer. My daughter is dead. But before he could get a word out of his mouth, Jesus turns to him and says, fear not, just believe. You could cancel this whole thing, Jairus, by the words you speak. And Jesus gave him that opportunity to embrace the truth of what the Christ was declaring unto him. And he could have accepted the truth or he could have rejected the truth based on the circumstances that he knew were true in the natural. Do not fear. Just believe. Believe, believe. 
And how many in here today are perhaps going through circumstances that fear wants to grip your heart, take control of your life, determine your course in life. Fear wants to control you. You heard a report that was not very convenient nor edifying. Fear wants to overtake you. Perhaps you are already starting to plan your funeral in your mind. I want this. I want to wear this. I want this kind of a casket. You see people coming. To, Stop it. You have pancreatic cancer. I do not. I do not. I do, I do not accept it. What does your future look like? Are you planning future based on fear or faith? Are you taking up the shield of faith? Or are you allowing the fiery darts of the enemy to consume you? What are you doing? Stand with me, church. Father, in Jesus' name, I declare favor and power of the Spirit of God out over the congregation of the righteous. And I declare the Word of God to be alive, 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 alive within their lives in Jesus' awesome, wonderful, wonderful name. I pray that each and every one of us would push back the realms of doubt, the lies of the enemy, the fiery darts that are set on fire by hell itself. And we will take up that shield of faith and quench all, all, all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And I declare it out over this body, out over this congregation, out over those that are watching us online. I declare it in Jesus' name. Let transforming power overtake you for the glory of God through Christ our Lord. If you could receive it, give God a praise offering. Amen.